first one that we have that has just got lost in my Bible. Bear with me. Uh, It's on page 931 if you've got the same Bible as I do. We'll start from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God, for all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, of all hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men, chosen by God, and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who puts trust in Him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. To those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are the almighty and all-merciful God. Lord, that you are the one who chose us. And said, although you are not a people, I will make you my people. Lord, that you are the one who looked at us and said, though you are unfaithful, I will be faithful and call you to be faithful. Lord, that you looked at us and said, I love you so much that I will sacrifice my own son. Lord, we praise you for your great glorious mercy towards us as individuals as the local church and as the church universal Father thank you and Lord as we look at this passage now and consider it I pray that you would open our hearts Lord open our minds feed us with this milk the pure milk of your word Lord, feed us that we might grow in our knowledge and our understanding of you. Feed us, Lord, that we might grow in our walk with you. And through that, our walk with each other. Speak to us, we pray. Holy Spirit, move through this place. And I ask, Father, that you would even use 
these lips and this tongue this morning to speak your truth. Amen. A bit of wind happening, isn't there? There is. Okay. For once, it's not me crashing about at the front. <laughs> one, one yet. Well done, Debbie. 1 Peter is this fantastic letter. And I've really enjoyed the last couple of weeks as, as Peter has looked at us. And, and remember that first, first sermon we looked at the first half of chapter 1. And it was just this, Peter starts writing and before he's got one sentence in, he's already just, wow, isn't God fantastic? Isn't God good? Look at all that he has done for us. Consider the hope that he has laid before us. The joy that he gives us as his children. Fantastic opening to the letter. And then last week we looked from verse 13 to the end of chapter 1 and, and Peter carried on writing and he said to us, look what I want you guys to do is to now live out your new life in Christ. So, so you've been given this hope because of that, live it out, be holy as God is holy. In what you say, in what you do, in who you are. And we finished with those wonderful verses that we started with this morning about how we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. Through the Word of God. And Peter, I love the way he looks at things because he started off, God is great, so live according to what we have now become um, because we have been saved through the Word of God, and therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, because of our being saved through the Word of God, because we are a new creation, because life is different now that God has saved us and, and shown His graciousness to us, because of all of this, says Peter, life should look different. Because of this, says Peter, what we crave should be different. And what we do should be different. I, shall we try a video clip? Do you guys think we'll manage it? I'll, 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 it's, it's a little bit washed out. If you'll just bear with me, I, I wasn't going to do it because it, it looked a bit washed out earlier. This is from the movie The Pink Panther, the, the modern remake.
Have you ever had a hamburger? Well, of course not. It's a disgusting American food. It's a brilliant, brilliantly funny movie. His first taste of a hamburger, and he goes into this rhapsody of amazing. The movie carries on. He gets stopped at the airport for smuggling hamburgers out of the country. Why? Because that first taste, he took that bite. And I don't know if you noticed, they tried to grab his friend's burger as well. He tasted it and it was good. It was McDonald's, so it can't be that good. But it tasted good to him. And from that point on, his craving was for the burger. What are the things that we crave in our lives? That's not burgers. (laughs) That's good. Each one of us is going to have a different answer to that question. What are the things that occupy our thoughts? The things that that we just, first thing we wake up, we think, wow, X, or Y, or Z. Unfortunately, I suspect that until Jesus comes, a lot of us will have cravings which are not of Christ. And it's this sort of thing that, that Peter wants to address. And he says to us what we need to do, having been born again, having encountered the living word of God. Verse 1 of chapter 2 is to get rid of, of all evil behavior, as the New Living Translation puts it, or rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit. The idea there is, is casting it off like, or, or taking off the clothing. You know what, I, 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 were almost, I, I was driving to Bunnings this morning to buy some manure. Because I wanted to walk around with manure in my pockets and, and see how you guys reacted to the stench. I stopped because I didn't really want to have manure in my pocket. Um, sorry, distracted there, manure in my pocket. And, and yet, so often, that's the kind of thing that we do. We walk around with these old evil behaviors and, and evil lifestyles. And they soiled, dirty clothing that stink. And, and this kind of behavior that Peter is writing about is the kind of behavior that just makes people push themselves away from you or makes you push people away from yourself. What, what does he say here? He talks about malice. So, so this, this nasty, purposeful direction of, of just raw unpleasantness towards somebody. He talks about deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. And Peter says to us, these things 
as those who have been born anew by the word of God, this is not who you are. They need to be taken off and cast aside. They need to be undone, denied life. And it's an interesting list that old Peter gives us here because really it all deals with different forms of untruth. Deceit. Slander. Hypocrisy. Envy. At the root of it all is is untruth, isn't it? And yet Peter writes to us and says... Get rid of it. And I find that very encouraging that Peter says get rid of it because it means that even back in the first century this was a problem in the church. You know what? I'm astounded if we read through the New Testament how mucked up the church was. Even just a few years after it founded, these churches had huge problems. You, you read Peter writing here, he says get rid of this stuff. As in, there's a problem here. You read Paul and, and some of his letters are just, well, most of his letters are, are addressing problems in the church. I find that encouraging because it explains that we are no different from them. <laughs> and I find it encouraging because despite this, there is a solution. Does Peter get rid of these old garments because they are not who we are. And instead we should be craving the pure spiritual milk. And I like the New Living Translation here because it uses that word crave. New, uh, NIV just says desire over here. Wind has blown my page. NIV says over here like newborn babies. Oh, it also says crave. Sorry, the new... NIV doesn't. (laughs) Crave pure spiritual milk. You see, putting off our old behavior and our old habits and our old cravings is only part of the solution. The other part of God's solution is to nourish us with His Word. And I find it fascinating that that this isn't just something that we do to survive. God doesn't just give us His Word and say, read it and you will live. God says, here is my Word, and boy, it is fantastic. It's like that hamburger. You take a bite of it, and it is melt-in-the-mouth goodness. So much so that, that, that says, Peter, here, we are to crave it. We, I mean... Wow, a chance to read the Bible. Wow, a chance to come to church. Wow, a chance to talk about the matters of of faith and life and doing this together. What a wonderful opportunity, says Peter. Crave this. I wonder if we're honest. Don't put your hands up, but think. How many of you wake up in the morning and go, Oh, <laughs> Bible reading time! Or Sunday morning, go, Oh, yes, I'm going 
to church. We're going to go to church. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to sing. We're going to, we're going to read the Word. It's going to be brilliant. I hope you sometimes feel like that. <laughs> Crave pure spiritual milk. Because without it, we cannot grow. I mean, you, you watch a, a, a literal baby who is hungry. And they've probably been fed four hours ago. But, boy, when they are hungry, they let you know about it, don't they? They, they scream like if they don't get fed, this is going to be the end of the world. They crave being fed. And says Peter to us, that is the same sort of picture we should have when we come to the Word of God. That is what this pure spiritual milk is, I believe, is, is the Word of God. And let's be honest, it's not always the case as Christians that we crave it. Let's be honest. And I think Peter recognizes that as well. Because he doesn't write, as, as new believers, you are craving the Word of God. Peter writes and says, because of the fact that you have been made new through the Word of God, you must crave after it because you've tasted it. Do you notice there? Oh, it, it's a strange thing. You must crave. You, you, you must long for it. How do, how do we begin? How, how do we start to, to crave the Word of God? Well, the answer is in verse 3, isn't it? If we truly want to crave God's Word because we want to grow, because we want our lives and our communities to not reflect verse 1 of chapter 2, then we have to actually get into the Word. It's a strange thing. The more you read the Word the more you want to read the Word. I don't know how many of you have been doing those Bible readings, and it's a lot to read, isn't it? Four or five chapters a day. It's huge. And I'm, I will admit that every now and again I, I miss out a day for whatever reason. But how fantastic then to read eight chapters the next day. And, and, and you start out thinking, wow, that's a lot to read. But, but you get to the end, and, oh, what happens next? Oh, what is he going to say next? That this is the weird way that the Spirit of God works through his word. We, we get a taste of it, and, and it's like it's just more, more. Taste and see that the Lord is good, wrote the psalmist. And Peter says here, we have tasted, we have seen how good he is, and, and having tasted, how can we not want more. How can we not scream out like a hungry baby for more? Thank you for your message around communion this morning, Graham. Isn't it fantastic that we have been called to be a community of love? But I want to suggest that before we can love each other, what we need the most as a church, as a community, 
is a craving for God's Word. And not just God's Word, but a craving for all that is of God. For His Word. For His people. For time spent with Him in prayer. All these are spiritual milk. And I really do believe that when a church is filled with people who have just got a a yearning desire to be fed on the Word of God, to, to know God better, when a church is like that, how do any disputes arise? When we are looking into the face of Jesus Christ, and seeing ourselves reflected back, how can we even think to have disputes and disagreements? Surely when we, when we are feeding on Christ, we grow closer to each other. In other words, if we are to grow in maturity as Christians... What we need the most is theology. <laughs> what we need the most is theology. Some of you might know that the deacons uh, last year started working through theology at the diaconate meetings. And we did that not because we don't have anything better to do, but because we have nothing better to do. Because out of our theology comes who we are. Out of our looking intently into the face of Christ comes what we do. Out of our understanding of Jesus comes everything. And we can do the most amazing things. But first we need to look to Jesus. And we need to feed on Him. And I know that's not easy. We're very busy people. I forget who said it, but somebody said, busyness is not a tool of the devil. Busyness is the devil. Because it's one of the key ways that he uses to, to pull us away from feeding on Christ from looking into His Word. And that's why we need each other. That's why we come together as church, one of the reasons. Because we need to hold each other accountable. If you're not in a prayer partnership already, find one today. Somebody who can come to you and say, well, how are you going with your reading this week? How are you going with your prayer this week? coming together on a Sunday that you can go to each other and say, wow, I really enjoyed X and X a passage that we read this week. Whether it's from the book or not, I don't care. As long as you're reading and sharing with somebody and, and somebody there to hold you accountable. Because it's a strange thing that, that though once we taste it, we crave more of God's Word, once we stop tasting it, we quickly forget how much we long for it.
How do we grow up in our salvation? Well, verses 4 to 10 tell us a bit about that. We've got these wonderful series of images that that Peter develops. First of all, of of Jesus Christ as the living cornerstone, the, the foundation upon which everything rests. The one who is chosen by God, rejected by people. The one who says, in relation with me, you are living stones that I am building together into a temple. There's another reason why we come together as Christians. Because it's hard to build a temple with one stone. In fact, it's impossible because you at least need Jesus. (laughs) Without the cornerstone, you've got nothing. Two stones, that's a good start. God says, I'm building my temple out of all of us together. Together, we form the temple of God. We cannot be Christians in isolation. Not only are we the temple of God, but but Peter goes on and says, we are being formed to be a holy priesthood. People who have direct access to God. People who, who, who intercede on behalf of others before God. People who serve God. People who, who make spiritual sacrifices to God. That sounds very weird. 21st century Australia, doesn't it? And it, it, it should, because these are all images from the Old Testament. We are a priesthood, a holy priesthood. People who serve God and serve people. All of us are called to that. All of us are called to to make offerings to God. And really, all of us are called to do the job of intercession. Yes, for each other, but for the world. To pray, God, would you, would you allow this person to accept the truth? To be set free. We offer these spiritual sacrifices. Hebrews 13 15 says that a spiritual sacrifice is an offering of praise. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. In other words, says Peter here, as Christians, as those who are feeding on the word of God and wanting that, our very lives are an offering to God. Our worship is an offering to God. Our service is an offering to God to God but it all comes back to what Jesus has done and who Jesus is not only the cornerstone the foundation of of which we are to build on which we are to build but also the capstone capstone that that bit that goes right plonk in the top of the building without which there's a big hole in the roof without which the building is useless see what what Peter is saying here In our lives and in our church, Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the capstone, the top. 
And we are the middle. <laughs> we are the middle. And yes, there are those who reject Jesus. And reject the truth and reject our faith and reject the church. And Peter's got these, these quotes from Isaiah, Psalm 118, about how he is not only the stone of salvation, the source of life, but also the stumbling block to so many people. A stone which causes them to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. Why? Because they refuse to feast. Because they don't crave God's word. Because you've got, you get this hamburger set before them and they go, gross. American rubbish. That, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Do we crave God's word or do we spit it out in disgust? Says Peter here, we who crave it, who've tasted and seen how good it is, we think Jesus the most precious thing under the sun, the most precious person. The stone that God chose, that God says, yes, precious. This is my beloved son in whom I have great favor. Listen to him and we say, yes, we will. And others look and say, no, we won't, we can't. This message, this word, this pure spiritual milk makes us sick. And we know what happens if we don't eat, we die. If we eat, we grow and we live. If we stumble over the rock, we die. Oh, isn't God good? Isn't He merciful towards us that, that He has given us a good taste of His Word? That He has given us new life and, and with new life we've tasted and seen how good God is. Isn't it fantastic that God has said to us, once you were not a people, now you are my people. Read the, the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea. Those quotations taken from there, how God says to the people, you're not my people, for you've rejected me. And then he turns around and says, and yet I will make you my people because of my great mercy, because of my great faithfulness. If we feast on the Word of God, if we crave it and long for it with all of our hearts and our souls and our minds, what a people we will be. Chosen people, a royal priesthood, who are able to, to intercede for each other, Members of God's family. People who belong to the kingdom of God. 
defined by the word of God. And I dare any of us to to read the word and not, as verse 9 and 10 puts it, declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into the light. You see, this this is where the mission of the church meets the craving of the church. Because as we feed and feast on God's word, the more we know of him and his goodness the more we just declare, God, you are so fantastic. You have done so much. You are so brilliant. You have saved us, Lord. And it's not only declaring that to God, it's going to our neighbors and going, did you realize I read in the Bible this morning that God loves you? Wow. It all comes back to this word made alive by the Spirit. Peterson, uh, the guy who wrote the message translation of the Bible, has got a, a wonderful book. And I think it sums up my message for today. The title of his book. Eat this book. That's good. That's really, really good. Bless. I don't know about anybody else, but I needed that this morning. And I thank Nick for it. We're just going to conclude our our last song. Um, It's the old one, but to the new tune.